Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In this week's programme, we welcome back Super Rugby. We farewell Black Cap skipper Brenton McCullum. And the sky's the limit for New Zealand pole vaulter Eliza McCarthy, it seems. Tennis player Michael Venus talks to us about his burgeoning doubles international career. And Team New Zealand's back on the water in Oman. We talk to skipper Glenn Ashby. The Super Rugby competition kicks off today. There are three new teams in the complicated new format. Rugby reporter Joe Porter previews what's in store as the Highlanders chase back-to-back titles. The rejigged format pits the New Zealand sides largely against themselves in by far the toughest conference, and it seems wide open. The defending champion Highlanders have lost just two players from last year's starting 15, have retained all their All Blacks and have the same coaching staff. In theory, they should lead the way in New Zealand, though many don't see the title holders as the frontrunners, including the bookies. Halfback Aaron Smith says the Southerners are quietly seething. I still wouldn't say that everyone fully respects us, so we're just going out there to earn more respect this year, and it's an outside factor for us, and it's just more about what we think and what our people think down here, and uh, if we earn the respect of our, our mates and our coaches and our management, then um, that's all we can ask for. If the Highlanders are chasing respect, then last year's runners-up, the Hurricanes, are seeking redemption. They'll dodge all talk of atonement, though it's clear they're hurting after being the best team in 2015 and coming up short in the final in front of their home fans. Their last pre-season performance was impressive. They put 70 points on the Crusaders, though Coach Chris Boyd faces a huge task in filling the midfield void left by departing all-black veterans Ma'a Nonu and Conrad Smith. Well, you don't fill that hole. You just do the best with what you've got, you know. So we've had some experienced players that are not here, but we've got some really good players, in my mind, taking their place. The Hurricanes are joint favourites with the 2013 champions, the Chiefs, whose fortunes will be dictated by the return of all-black first five Aaron Cruden from 10 months out with injury. It's the last chance saloon for the outgoing Crusaders coach, Todd Blackadder, who's failed to add to the franchise's seven titles in his seven seasons in charge. They too have lost World Cup winning all-blacks in Richie McCaw and Dan Carr leaving a gaping hole at first five in particular. The Blues finished second to last in 2015 and are ranked an outside chance this season, but with former all-black captain Tana Umanga at the helm, fans are quietly confident they'll rise from the ashes. They open the Super Rugby season with tonight's match against the Highlanders in Auckland and Umanga says they're desperate to prove their supporters right. We've got a lot to prove um, and to play against the defending champions who really... For us, you know, they epitomise effort and work ethic and you know, good culture and working for each other. And I suppose that's what, what every team wants. As for the three new teams, South Africa's latest addition, the Southern Kings are unlikely to trouble most top sides, as are Japan's Sunwolves, who could struggle to win more than a couple of games. Argentina's Jaguars look a much more genuine threat with a host of internationals on the side, though whether they can gel as a team remains to be seen. 
Now, one of the major talking points in the lead-up to this new Super Rugby season has been around the Blues, with Tana Umanga taking over the reins following Sir John Kerwin's exit. Rugby pundits have been quick to predict a better outcome for the team this season, following their disappointing 14th place last year. Umanga spoke to the media ahead of the start of the competition about just where his team's at and the expectations for the season. Uh, we've showed some things on the field that we're, we're trying to achieve and the players are, are really driving that and, and, and showing that. So you know, that's pleasing for us. But as we've said all along, you know, the pre-season's just that. Um, this is where it really counts and I'm sure this is where, you know, judging by the amount of interest that we've got here today, that um, everyone's just been waiting for this game, just like us. Talk to a lot of the players and they say... They find you direct to the point. You want accuracy. You want excellence. Um, I mean, how important is that when you're as a player and now as a coach? Oh, I think it's the standards we set. You know, again, as leaders and as coaches in our group, we, we want to make sure that we prepare these players as, as best as we can. With um, and, and we just want the same for them. You know, they're all very motivated and driven, driven players, and they've. A lot of them want to get to higher level, and to do that, you know, there's, there's got to be that, that level of standard um, and repetitive standard. It's not just now and then, you know, it's every day, it's all the time. Um, and, and that's, as I say, that's, I'm just demanding of, of what they, they set in place, uh, and I, I keep them to that. If that's what they say, then you know, that's what we, we expect. That's our expectation from them. So you know, that's all we're doing. You know, they drive a lot of it. They've come up with a lot of our standards, and, and, uh, you know, and in the end it's, uh, it's just about us putting in the work and the effort every day in, in, in the games. Did some of the guys early on, were they surprised or possibly struggled a bit with your directness? Um, I haven't come across it. <laughs> no one's told me yet. Um, but I'm sure uh, you know, along the way we've got some pretty strong people in our leadership group that'll let me know if I'm going too direct. Um, but you know, I've just got to adjust, and, and sometimes you know people have to adjust to what I to, to me as well. It's a bit of a you know ongoing relationship, as, as you say. Um, but again, uh, as long as I'm honest about you know where we're going and what I'm trying to do for them, um, that's what they appreciate. Tana, given the backdrop you've inherited, how important? How important is a good start going to be, a good positive start for this franchise, kind of looking to turn things around? Yeah, I think I've stated it before, and it's really important for us, you know, what we've come off um, uh, in the previous year, previous season. Uh, that's why we've tried really hard in the, in the pre-season to, to get things right and, and get some confidence for ourselves, in which we've achieved that. You know, if anything, other pre-season we've only got confidence. Um, and so I think we're in a good place going forward, but uh, again, you know, it all comes down to Friday night for us. Your career's kind of been building to this personally. You know, are you excited and nervous? I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm always excited about game day, and it's usually the easiest day for me because I don't have to do much. Um, so, you know, it's really about our preparation and leading into it. That's what um, those are the days, making sure that I get nervous on days like today, making sure that we deliver right, uh, we cover everything we need to cover, you know, so that we prepare these players the best they can, and then you know, it's up to them to perform. That's Blues coach Tana Rumanga. The Black Caps captain Brenda McCullum's international cricket career has come to an end. There was no fairy tale finish, with any hope of a test win over Australia pretty much extinguished on day one of the second test in Christchurch, with Australia going on to win the test and the series 2 0. McCullum, though, did get to go out on a flourish, making 145 in the first innings and in doing so, scoring the fastest test century in the history of the game reaching triple figures in just 54 balls, beating the previous best of 56. 
which was a record jointly held by the West Indies' great Sir Viv Richards and Pakistan's Mizbah al-Haq. After the match, McCullum reflected on his career and just what the future holds for both himself and the Black Caps. Disappointing to lose the Test match and, and the Test series, but the right team won, and we threw everything at them um, at key times, but they were able to withstand us, and um, yeah, it's, it's not the ideal way to go out, but uh, at the same time, you know, I've had a great time, and and even uh, just play, being involved in this test match as well at home and, and the ovations which I've received and, and obviously like the guard of honour and things like that. Um, it's memories which I'll, I'll take with me forever. There's been a lot of love out there the last few days. There has, isn't there? Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> it's been quite nice, actually. Um, yeah, I guess uh, when someone's career winds down, um, other creators, I guess, uh, they, they sort of um, they want to show their respects in some way as well, and you never... You never foresee that, um, that 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 level of respect that um, Steve Smith and the Australian team showed um, with that guard of honour would ever eventuate. Um, but it was it was a nice touch and a really nice touch from our boys today as we went out went back out onto the park in the change room away from the the cameras. Sort of had a very similar sort of um, guard of honour, I guess. So it was yeah, it's it's really nice. But yeah, it's time to move on. I think the time's right. You know, it's sort of came to that realisation um, when I made the decision and and I knew I could steal myself for another couple of um, another couple of challenges and and now I walk away comfortable with my decision and and um, and looking forward to the next stage of, of my life and spend some time with the family and and take up some other challenges as well and and I think the team's at that stage as well that they're ready for for a new leader and, and a slightly new direction as well and and hopefully I've left and and brought some some fun and enjoyment and some some real, um, I guess, culture back into the setup during the time that I had as captain. Is there a sense, Brendan, that it's relief now for you when you walked off that field? Uh, yeah, probably. I think every cricketer, when they finish their career, you probably get to that stage where it's like you're now away from the, the prying eyes and the and the media scrutiny and and uh, and the things which which can be at times quite difficult to deal with, but as essential part of being an international sportsman as well that. What comes with the good times also that comes with its challenges as well. So I guess you walk away from that and you know that you've throughout your time you've been able to front up and, and try and go out there and get a performance on the board and, and um, yeah, I guess now you're a little bit relieved is probably the right word. Yeah. Brendan McCullum says he was never bothered by those who criticised the way he played. It doesn't bother me to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, to a degree I, you sort of hope that you Kind of remembered as as a guy who who played with a lot of passion, a lot of um, a lot of pride, and and playing for his country, and and played the game for the right reasons as well. And um, I think the latter part of my career is when I realised that um, when you're almost at a stage where uh, you weren't enjoying the game, um, and then that can when you come to that realisation, you, you try and get back the innocence of why you started playing the game in the first place. And I think I was lucky enough that. That that, um, that that eventuated while I still had the opportunity to, to go out there and spend three or four years um, in the latter stage of my career. So, you know, I think as a good team man would be nice, um, nice to be remembered as a guy who played for the right reasons and who, if in doubt, was prepared to take the positive option as well. And, and hopefully, you know, I think um, the guys that I've played with, um, if anything, not just to, in terms of your cricket stuff, but they remember you as a good bloke as well. McCullum says under Kane Williamson, he believes the side will be more consistent performers. We've been able to get the enjoyment and the, the culture spot on. Um, 
and everyone's very relaxed and and we've got a we play play the game for the right reasons and everyone's bought into that I think what we'll see with the transition to the next group of leaders is that um, they're a little bit younger they're probably a little bit more professional than what I am as well um, I'm probably a little bit more old school um, and I think that will assist in being able to take the team to a more consistent level I think if there's one criticism of us we've probably been a little bit inconsistent albeit with flashes of brilliance I think the next stage for this team um, is to reach a high performing level which is on a consistent basis and I think those group of leaders have got that in front of them. Brenda McCullum says he's simply looking forward to having some time on his hands. A bit of golf, a bit of racing, probably some, play some darts. <laughs> not a great deal actually, I've got not much on the go. I've, um, I've got yeah, New Zealand Open, I'm playing in that and spend a bit of time with the family and just take a breath as well. It's been, it's been a pretty sort of arduous run I guess um, not necessarily from a cricket point of view but I guess a bit of expectation and hype point of view as well and, and sometimes it's nice to just, just take stock and, and then reevaluate things from there and then I've obviously got some T20 tournaments to go to as well and, and um, yeah and then we'll see what unfolds after that That's the retiring Black Caps captain Brendan McCullum The great runner, New Zealand tennis player Michael Venus on the ATP double circuits continued as he and partner Mate Pavic of Croatia picked up their third title of the year in France. The result means that he's now won $75,000 in official prize money in the first two months of the year. The result also moves Venus and Pavic up to number four in the world as a combination. Individually, Pavic is at 39th and Venus at 40th, both career-high rankings. Venus is currently in Acapulco in Mexico for his next tournament and he told Barry Guy that he couldn't ask for much more at the moment. Definitely been a great start to the year. Um, we played well again last week, kind of continued some of the momentum. Uh, but no, it was good, good. Uh, but there's still some areas that we can keep improving on, so that's kind of uh, exciting moving forward. Uh, but yeah, no, we just need to um, get back on the practice court and keep working on those things and um, you know, just take each match and each tournament as they come. Now, obviously, the key uh, is that um, you are playing with Pavic the whole time. Uh, getting that combination must be uh, great. It definitely helps a lot. Uh, the more we're on the court, the more uh, we understand each other's games, uh, what the other one likes to do, the certain shots they like to hit in um, certain situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, it makes a big difference if I know what he's going to do, then I can kind of move and into a better position to cover the next ball and that. So, yeah, those little things, um, the more you play together, definitely help uh, in, uh, in building in that partnership. Did you have a plan for 2016? Was it, you know, did between the two of you, did you decide, well, you know, we'll stick together and, and see what happens? Yeah, well, I mean, we played, uh, we started playing about March last year and, um, yeah, we had some good results and seemed to get on pretty well. So, uh, yeah, no, we... Decided, you know, we'd start the year out again and play, and you know, it's gone well. So, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of continue with it and and go from there, really. And well, it's obviously going well. I see your ranking as a combination is now number four in the in the world. Um, does that sort of come with privileges in any way? Does it? Yeah, not as as much. Yet. That's more. Um, it's the race for London towards the end of the year that for the year end championship. So. Um, I think the top eight teams at the end of the year get to go and play in that. So, uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty exciting to to be in that right now. Uh, but obviously, it's a very long year and lots of tournaments 
to come before them. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, we're not, not looking ahead to that or anything, just, you know, trying to focus on our tournament this week, our first match uh, here tomorrow night. Uh, but also, I'm assuming the Grand Slams would, would be a key this year too? Yeah, exactly. Um, the Grand Slams, you know, is uh, uh, the biggest tournament, so that's where you want to play well, obviously, and, and have some good results. So, um, yeah, we'd love to do well there. Uh, hopefully, if we can move up a little bit more, we might be able to get seeded in those. Uh, but, yeah, if, if that happens, great. If not, then, uh, yeah, we just... We'll just play those, play them anyway. Um, so yeah, can't really worry about that too much. I mean, doubles seems to be where it is for you at the moment. But do you still, you know, want to play singles? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously had very good uh, double success. Uh, I still, you know, love playing singles and um, try and play as much as I can. Uh, but just with the schedule of the doubles, it just uh, limits the amount of times I can. Uh, play singles and that's it. Uh, on that side of things, I guess it's a little bit disappointing not being able to play as much singles, but uh, I mean, on the other side, we're, we're doing well in the doubles, so, uh, so that's a positive. Um, yeah, I guess you can't really have uh, have it both ways. And what, you'll be uh, the, in the Davis Cup next month, will you? Yeah, so from here, I'm in Acapulco this week. Uh, we go and we play in Korea next week. Uh, so, yeah, it should be... Uh, good tie up there. <clears throat> they have uh, one guy who's a young guy who I think is 60 in the world in singles, so it'll be a, uh, I mean, a weird tough task for us. Uh, but yeah, no, looking forward to getting up there with the other guys and being in a team environment. Uh, you know, we spend the whole year travelling by ourselves, and so it's nice to have a bit of a different uh, feeling around, and, and that's what should be a good week. That's New Zealand tennis player Michael Venus talking to Barry Guy. The New Zealand pole vaulter Eliza McCartney has broken more national records this week in what appears to be a big year for the 19-year-old. McCartney cleared 4.71 metres in a competition against Australian Alana Boyd to beat her own New Zealand national, residents and all-comers and under-20 records. The result capped off what's already been an impressive summer for the 19-year-old who met the qualification standards for Rio later this year. And she's also claimed the Emerging Talent Award at last week's Halberg Awards. RNZ's afternoon host Jessie Mulligan caught up with McCartney to talk about her latest achievements. The conditions were really good. It was almost no wind and it was perfect temperature. Um, but we have been looking at um, jumping for Sunni one for the last few months even, the last couple of months. And so uh, I guess it was almost waiting for a really good competition and where everything clicked on the day. And who's your biggest competitor? Um, we've got Alana Boyd. Um, she's from Queensland in Australia, and she's come over to compete. So she competed yesterday with us, and she's competing again tomorrow night with us. And she, her PB is just that little bit more than mine, four seventy-seven, I think it is. So um, she's definitely my biggest competitor. And really, you're up against yourself, aren't you? Because you're trying to get over the bar and get over a height that you've never got over before. But does it help having competition there on the night? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, quite often in New Zealand, there's not many people jumping around my heights, and so I am in competitions by myself. And so having someone like Alana come over does actually make a difference. It kind of brings back that competitiveness even more so because you you not only just got to clear the height for your own reasons, but you also want to beat someone else as well. So mm. it is really helpful. Hey, what are your major goals at the moment? What are you uh, working towards now that you've smashed so many of them last night? 
Um, well, the season's almost over for us, I guess. We've got a competition tomorrow, and then we've got nationals in Dunedin next week. Um, and hopefully I can head over to the World Indoor Championships, which are um, halfway through March, and they're, um, they're, they're really soon, so <laughs> I have to get on to that. But that will be the last competition for the season, and then um, nothing really, I guess, until um, Rio. And have you qualified for Rio? Yes, I have. Um, the standard was 455. Oh, great. So you're, you're bounding in. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been a great season. What does the world look like from 4.71 metres up, Eliza? <laughs> it's pretty good, I have to say. I mean, I wasn't expecting to get anywhere near this, and so it is just a huge achievement. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get into pole vaulting, by the way? I mean, when you're at school and they say, give this a go, it's much easier to try sprinting or maybe, you know, long jump with the sand pit. But uh, was there a pole vault lying around? <laughs> no, it wasn't quite through school. I um, was doing club athletics and my dad actually did high jump when he was around my age. And so he started coaching me in high jump and I really loved it. But um, when I heard about pole vault and saw pole vault, I thought that was pretty cool. And so I gave it a go and I've been with the same coach at the same facility ever since. <laughs> um, is it dangerous? We see often those sports bloopers involve pole vaulters. <laughs> yes, I try not to watch too many. <laughs> um, well, it can be dangerous, I guess, if you don't know what you're doing. If, it's like everything. If you if you know what you're doing, and it's in a con- it is a controlled environment, as much as it probably doesn't look like it. Um, it the a, there's a lot that probably isn't that bad that could go wrong. Um, I mean, I've never really hurt myself, and so it, it's not as bad as it seems, I promise. <laughs> okay, good. Was there a moment when you were learning to pole vault where you had to take a bit of a leap of faith, though, like one moment of courage? Yeah, I think there's probably been a few. I do actually remember the first time the pole actually bent, so when you first start, you do what's called straight polling, and basically the pole doesn't bend, and then you obviously progress to a point where the pole does start bending, and that was a weird feeling. <laughs> I remember that being <laughs> really odd. There isn't too much like it, so that was certainly a moment I remember. Yeah. What is in between you and, for example, that oceanic record? Like, What do you need to do to go that extra six centimetres? Um, I think I just need to keep training and keep competing. I've, I still need a lot of experience in competitions to get under my belt. And um, obviously, the more comps you do, the better it gets. And yeah. so, I, I, I just think at the moment, I need to just keep jumping as much as possible, as many jumps, as many comps as I can. And slowly, I build up a, a really good, I guess, background that will hopefully help for the future. Yeah. So, it's a sort of a technique thing, is it? Oh yeah, there's there's always things to improve on. I can always get stronger and faster. And right. My technique is not nearly perfect. I've got a long I've got a long way to go for that. So there's there's always um, physical things that they can improve on. It's Eliza McCartney talking to Jesse Mulligan. Team New Zealand's back on the water this weekend as they continue their preparations for the 2017 America's Cup. Team New Zealand tops the standings of the America's Cup World Series, which stops off in Oman this weekend. America's Cup points are up for grabs in these regattas. New Zealand's world champion 49er crew of Peter Burling and Blair Tuke have joined up with the team again for a couple of months before they return to their Rio Olympic campaign. Smaller boats are used in the World Series and at the same time teams are also developing their boats for the America's Cup in Bermuda next year. Joe Porter asked Team New Zealand skipper Glenn Ashby if they've spent more time developing a new boat or preparing for this series. To be honest, it's probably uh, a bit of both. Uh, I think you know. Obviously, the, the results here are, are extremely important, and we want to do our do our best we can at, at these events. 
I think um, you know, the, the communication side of things and the, uh, you know, the crew development is, is certainly important. We don't get a huge amount of opportunity to race together really over the, over the next year or so. So any opportunity we can to race together as a group um, in a racing environment is pretty, pretty key. So um, the communication side and development is, is definitely an important aspect going forward to the uh, America's Cup class sailing that we'll be doing next year. Whoever wins this series overall and finishes on top of the points at the end of the six regattas this year, what advantage does that give them for the America's Cup exactly? Yeah, look, basically the, the, the winner of this event actually gets a, uh, a couple of points that goes into the, uh, the actual next America's Cup going forward. So certainly, you know, a huge, uh, huge one to work towards. Like any, any little advantage you can get in the actual cup match itself is, uh, is, is very important. So, you know, look, uh, it is a long, long season, but, um, both those couple of points that you get there towards the end, uh, if you do well, are certainly very, very, uh, relevant. And, um, whilst, you know, this, this series is in the, in the one design, AC45S, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be fast in your America's Cup class yacht, so we're certainly putting a huge amount of development uh, and emphasis on uh, making sure that we're going to have a fast boat for, uh, for Bermuda. So, um, yeah, whilst, whilst this is extremely important, so is uh, designing a fast boat for, uh, for, for the remainder of the regatta over there in Bermuda. Absolutely. And with, you know, the world champion Blair and Peter rejoining Team New Zealand for the series, what capacity will they be used? How will they split their time, I guess, between Team New Zealand and their 49er, sorry, 49er commitments? Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, it's, been, it's been a huge, uh, huge couple of years for, for Pete and Blair. Obviously, um, you know, going extremely well um, with their Olympic um, campaign at the moment and um, you know, well on track to, uh, to hopefully a fantastic result. Um, this year in, in Rio, the, the 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 balance, I guess, between their Olympic campaign and their America's Cup commitments is, uh, you know, is, is, is a delicate one. And um, certainly, you know, we've been working hard as a group um, together to, to to make sure that that you know we try and get the, the the best out of those guys, both with their Olympic campaign and their uh, America's Cup commitments. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's nice, you know, for the whole team in, in actual fact for those guys to be doing so well in the Olympic program and. Um, their involvement within the team here, um, you know, certainly for the regattas um, that we're sailing at the moment as a group, you know, we're, we're all getting along really well. And I think with the skill sets, with the wider group that we have, um, you know, it, it seems to be working really, really well. And uh, I think, you know, we, we, all, we all have a good time sailing together. And um, obviously after the Olympic Games this year, um, you know, those guys will be certainly putting a lot more emphasis and effort into uh, the, the cup program. And, um, they're, 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 you know, the integration through the whole uh, thing so far has been great and um, whilst we'd love to have them there more than, than what they are at the moment, I think the balance and, and what we're doing and uh, everything seems to be working really quite well, so fingers crossed that I'll have a fantastic result uh, later this year and then um, obviously when we come to the business end of the America's Cup program, uh, you know, mid next year we should all be uh, very much um, you know, working together well. You guys finished 2015 at the top of the America's Cup World Series standings and you've spent the summer break back in New Zealand working on the boat and also training together. What's changed, I guess, over the break and how's the team tracking uh, from the end of 2015 to now? Yeah, look, basically, you know, we've had a, a really good summer um, in, in Auckland and, um, you know, been able to get out and do some, some great testing um, back there. Um, this year, really, for us, is, um, you know, about testing and developing the systems and uh, electronics and things hydraulics on the, uh, you know, for, for the race boat going forward. So um, a huge amount of work going on behind the, sh- the, the closed doors and behind the scenes uh, in, in at the base. And the, the guy, you know, the shore crew guys and the designers have been 
absolutely flat out, you know, getting uh, systems up and running and tested to to then go out and, and test on the water and then implement into the future program. So this first part of the season has been very much about um, developing and learning, um, you know, in the shed largely. And um, as the year goes on, we'll be implementing a lot of those um, design developments onto the actual test boats going forward and then ultimately having to make decisions of what we do for our uh, our race boat later in the year. So um, an extremely busy year for us this year in 2016 and obviously fantastic to uh, to come away and do some racing in between all that. But, um, you know, the development of a yacht is a huge part of it and, um, you know, obviously having a wide um, range of guys that, are, that have got skill sets in different areas, um, you know, seems to be working really well for us at the moment. So fingers crossed for, for a great season this year and um, obviously plenty to learn and, um, you know, anyone who can have a, a fantastic uh, regatta. So hopefully uh, we can put our best foot forward and have a good one. That's Team New Zealand skipper Glenn Ashby talking to Joe Porter. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz and you can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.